and welcome to the Drums Digital Transformation Festival. I'm Jen Falls, Brands Editor at the Drum, and today I have with me Lubomir Roche, Chief Digital Officer at L'Oreal and winner of the World Federation of Advertisers Marketer of the Year Award. Welcome Lubomira and thank you very much for joining us. Um, today we're going to be talking about L'Oreal's approach to digital, how it's evolved and what's next on Lubomir's agenda. Um, so maybe we could start with um, your time at L'Oreal. So you have been Chief Digital Officer since 2014. Um, can you maybe think back to the organisation you joined and where where it was at in its digital journey back then? So in 2014, when I joined, um, the the hard work of evangelization has already been done by our CEO, Jean-Paul Agon, who started the digital revolution in 2010. So the, at, at that time, the key question was more to strategize digital transformation for growth, efficiency, and impact. And uh, so it has really been a, um, a fantastic acceleration since then. And basically what we did is we moved our company from doing 3% in e-commerce to uh, 16% last year and from less than 10% in digital media to more than 50% uh, this year. Wow, yeah, that's um, yeah, huge, huge improvement. Um, and in the last six years, you've, you've massively transformed loyal digital capabilities. Um, can you talk me through how you go about sort of prioritizing what what to work on, what tech you can sort of ignore, how to how to cut through all the noise? Um, so at the at the at the beginning, the the key question is um, really starting from the business objective and the company strategy. And so for us, digital transformation was really a growth driver on one side and a better way to connect with consumers. So we really um, spread our strategy around three important pillars at the time. The first one was acceleration of e-commerce. The second one was um, acceleration of digitalization of media and, 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 move, and move to data-driven marketing. And the third pillar of the strategy was really uh, um, rethinking our marketing model to move from being a pure advertiser to embrace content influence and advocacy uh, marketing. So this is really like, this has been really key in terms of uh, stretching all the organization around a shared vision and a shared strategic vision. And then the key, key focus for us has been building capabilities. So one part of building capabilities was a massive upskilling program that we rolled out uh, where we have uh, uh, trained more than 36,000 employees and the second uh, big capability building program has been around our factories. So it's really about industrializing our digital production. So think of websites, think of apps, think of services, think of content, think of data. Mm. Yeah. How did you get your um, sort of CEOs, CFOs, um, and the rest of the board and alignment with these plans um, and to sort of ensure they're behind the investments that you're that you're making that you might not necessarily see immediate returns from. Um, at the, 
since the beginning, um, there was a, a very large buy-in in the in the digital transformation. Everybody was convinced, and the CEO of Apolagon to start with, that digital will transform profoundly the business and the operating model of the company, and also the marketing game. Um, so I think um, the key the key strategy has really been. Uh, to balance quick wins and long-term uh, and long-term transformational goals, um, so that we can see, and especially the CFO and 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 the business line managers, so that they can see fairly early on that digital transformation was bringing very tangible results to them, and so this was really around e-commerce, which provided growth and recruitment, especially in uh, in in regions where. Um, uh, you know, we had uh, trouble connecting with uh, lower tier cities, consumers in China, in India, in Indonesia. So we really saw very rapidly a, a very strong return on investment in the acceleration of e-commerce and the and the recruitment of new consumers. And the other big win was really about um, better connecting with our consumers through personalized advertising and personalized marketing. So this is how we really build this um, strong buy-in and then unfolded the more long-term bets. Um, and that was really the building of the factory. That was really the data-driven marketing uh, program. That was really the upskilling program and all the new uh, innovation that started from there. Mm, okay. And when you sort of look back over the last, six years um, and your career at L'Oreal, what would you say some of the biggest challenges you've faced on this journey um, have been? Um, it, it's true that it has been a, a massive and at scale transformation. Mm. I would say that the challenge never came from any form of resistance to change from the company. So the, the, the L'Oreal company is really embracing change as an opportunity and with a lot of enthusiasm. So the challenges were for me uh, uh, twofold. The first is that um, with uh, with the new touch points, with the fragmentation of the new touch points, uh, with um, the development and the acceleration of our direct-to-consumer business, and with all the, the the new points of contact with our with our consumers online on very various uh, platforms, it has really put a strong stretch. On our IT systems uh, that were not really built for an omni-channel, real-time uh, type of you know consumer interactions. So that has been one uh, big challenge that we have tackled uh, head-on, reorganizing uh, our IT, going for more open architecture, uh, moving to the cloud, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's one. Um, and I would say the second challenge is um, the the pace. Of change itself in digital, um, you know. At the beginning, when I when I joined the company, I, I said that uh, maybe in five or six years from from there, um, my job would be uh, useless uh, because the company would have transformed digitally, and digital would be at the at the core of everything we do, mm. which is actually what happened. And and we think of ourselves today as a digital first company, but what is true is that digital itself keeps evolving. So if we take uh, one example, for for example, e-commerce. E-commerce, we invested really a lot into building new partnerships, new relationships with the likes of Amazon, uh, Timo, uh, Lazada, uh, Feel Unique, etc. But we also 
but we, what we also see recently is the rise of a very new form of e-commerce, which we call social commerce, mm. which is this capacity uh, of you know influencers or even like regular consumers uh, to sell online. And we see some of those influencers or some of those consumers becoming like super sellers mm. on platforms like Instagram or even WeChat. So this evolution has stretched again our organization, our capabilities, and 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 yeah. So it's it's an ongoing transformation, and I think that's that's one of the biggest challenge. Yeah, that's a really interesting point around the, the social influencers. What kinds of can you break out? What kind of sales, I guess, you see through through that channel? Whether you start thinking about that as a separate channel. So I think what what is interesting to see is that um, before we used to have a very uh, very clear uh, separation between what were transactional platforms such mm -hmm. as like Amazon or Sephora.com or and what were like more branding platforms such as you know Facebook or YouTube or Instagram and what is interesting is that um, more and more of the transactional platforms uh, are becoming um, um, branding platforms. Uh, we know that more than 50% of the searches today start from Amazon and not from Google anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, what we know is that a platform like Timo is evolving uh, to embrace uh, live streaming of influencers, retailtainment. So it, it's not just a transactional platform, it's really a platform where you can do brands. So that's on one side. On the other side, platforms like Instagram, or YouTube or Facebook are increasingly embracing the transactional part. So it's not any longer just a branding platform, but it's becoming also a platform where we can sell and where influencers are, are selling. We've had experiments with mixed professional makeup or with Saint Laurent on Instagram that were really interesting. So we really see this blurring of the, of the frontiers mm. and, and this has really led to um, a new movement of influencers not only just promoting brands or, or or talking about brands, telling their stories about brands, but like really being selling the, the, the brands. And this is very developed in China and it goes also very strongly with the development of live streaming, which is a very big phenomenon in China right now. And we've seen uh, influencers such as uh, Austin Lee, uh, who's uh, one of the top influencers this new field of social commerce in, uh, in China, and, and he has been able to sell millions of our products in just one day. Mm. And how do, you, how do you go about sort of educating and getting your marketing teams globally to, to start thinking about this blurring of these boundaries and, and sort of how they think about these brands versus sort of performance channels? Um, yeah, what, what's your um, sort of advice to those marketers? So I think the first the, fir the first thing was to uh, was this massive realization that people were consuming content and searching, discovering, and buying brands in a very different way, and um, that they were really investing new channels, and those channels themselves are evolving. So it was search on Google, and then it was the Facebook and the Instagram and the YouTube, and the, and today it's TikTok that's rising. So Consumers are really consuming and discovering our brands very, very differently. Um, and so this has led to a profound transformation in terms of our content production in, uh, within L'Oréal and with all our brands. And so that was the first battle. And, um, you know, 
you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, uh, when a brand was doing a, a major product launch, um, they would deliver a kit with a 30-second TVC, a 15-second TVC, a print execution, and that was and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, today, they have to still do that very, very well because it's still an important touch point, but then they have to craft very particular, specific pieces of content of very different uh, lengths and formats for um, the Facebook, for uh, the, the, the bumpers on, on YouTube, for the Timor execution, for the WeChat, for the messaging, for the Snapchat. So um, it has completely changed our production. And this has led to an increase of like sometimes 100 fold in, in terms of the, of the number of pieces of content we have to, to produce to uh, populate every touch point where people are discovering our, our brand. So that's, that was the, f- the first big, big thing. And the second big thing we are working on right now is, um, is the, the services strategy. What we see is that more and more consumers uh, want to have services supporting them in their choice for brands or for products. And we are really investing with all our brands into things like virtual makeup try-ons mm. or virtual hair color try-ons or skincare diagnostic or live streaming with a beauty advisor technologies so that we can, we can really connect um, the brand and the product with a specific supporting experience and, and service to help our consumers. Yeah. And um, that, that's a really interesting point on the, the virtual reality, um, sort of augmented reality opportunities. Um, you invested um, heavily um, in, in a platform called Modiface, um, and I understand that's been going incredibly well for you. The conversion rates you're seeing um, are really impressive. The group is seven times um, more likely to spend on, on the brand websites where the AR is deployed. Um, what other sort of learnings have you taken from how consumers are using that technology? So it's true that uh, Modiface was a bold move for L'Oréal. So it was the first time the company invested in and, and, and acquired something different than a brand. So it was the first beauty tech company that we acquired in our journey to become a beauty tech company ourselves. Um, so the integration went really well which was really a bet because, I mean, it's, it's a very different animal. Um, it's uh, 70 engineers uh, specialized in AR and AI based in Toronto. So the integration was very smooth because we both share a passion for beauty and a passion for innovation. And what we did basically is we, we, um, uh, we set up what we call a digital services factory, which role is really to take um, the innovations coming from Modiface, so the, the virtual trial, the diagnostic, the live streaming technologies, and scale them, uh, embed them in all L'Oréal brand touch points. So that can be a website, that can be an app, that can be point of sale. But we also took those technology and open sourced them to some of our partners. So this can be retailers such as Macy's or Boots or uh, Amazon or Timo or Lazada. And it can be also uh, platforms such as YouTube or Instagram. And what we've seen, you're absolutely right, are very, very strong increases in time spent. So the time spent on the platform when the service is present and in conversion rates 
where we can start to see really a very tangible uh, um, business uh, business impact. And the key learning for us is that people at the big consumers were really happy about the trial or the diagnostic. It's really it's really interesting. They can. It's it's a playful experience. Um, it's a very visual experience, and they were trying up to like 40 shades uh, for lipsticks or, or eyeshadow. But what they want now is to move from try-on or diagnostic to an actual personalized product prescription or look prescription. So this is really where we're working right now. It's it's to move from a try-on. Um, to a personalized recommendation, a personalized product recommendation, and 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 we have implemented that with the skincare diagnostic on a brand like Vichy, and now we're holding out on L'Oréal Paris, and we see that the conversion rates are even higher uh, when you recommend a particular routine based on your diagnostic. Mm, what kind of rates? If you can share. Um, so the, the, the so the rates is um, it's uh, so. People spend up to seven times more on the platform, which is great because they really spend more time with our brands, with our content. For example, on skincare, we know that ingredients are key in, in people's mind. So they will spend time learning about our ingredients, uh, how powerful, efficacious they are, how to combine them. Um, so they will spend more time, so up to seven times more time, and the conversion rate is tripled. Uh, when we have uh, the service embedded. And um, I think voice commerce has been uh, a much talked about sort of trend platform um, over the past few years, uh, though I know sort of some recent research has suggested um, consumers are perhaps not yet convinced. Um, can you tell me how you're thinking about voice commerce at L'Oreal? Do you see a future in that for your brands? So, I mean, for me, the question is more is more the the voice, uh, and what we see is that the adoption of of voice as an interface, so meaning that you would interact with your phone or with your assistant through voice and not through uh, typing or text. So, what we see is that this adoption varies um, widely be, be between different geographical zones. Um, in Asia, and particularly in China, it's, it's already huge. People are really interacting a lot, giving orders to their assistants at home or to their, to their phone through voice. And in that case, I mean, voice commerce is very natural. It's very natural. Basically, they would go to, a, to their Timo platform, and then they would order uh, through, a, through a voice uh, interface. So that, that's really working. Um, in, uh, in the U.S., uh, voice is really picking up. Uh, but it's less, still less developed than uh, than uh, than in, in in China. So my answer, and in, in Europe, it's uh, fairly similar to the to the US. So my answer would be, voice commerce depends on the adoption of of voice as an interface um, uh, more than anything else. Yeah. Okay. Um, we talked about some of your biggest challenges that you've faced in the last six years, but what? What would you say have been some of your biggest achievements? Um, I think I think it's if I had to sum it up, I would say that today L'Oréal is operating as a digital first company. It's fifty percent of our media investment now. It's more than a half of our investment are digital. Uh, it will soon be twenty percent of our of our e-commerce uh, 
will be uh, um, 20% of our revenues will come from from e-commerce. Um, today we have scaled our operations in a very very uh, uh, massive way. We have 1.3 billion visitors, 1.3 billion data points uh, that we use to personalize our interactions. Uh, we have more than 300 million followers. Uh, we have thousands and thousands of, um, you know, uh, platforms such as YouTube channel, or Facebook pages, or, or WeChat accounts. And so, today, when 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 the, uh, a marketer in L'Oréal uh, will present uh, his his or her plan for a new product launch, he will not start from showing the 30-second TVC. He or she would start from, you know, showing the gifs. Uh, the animated gifs, or the six seconds, or the or the or the ten seconds uh, digital execution. So, digital is really at the heart of our marketing and our sales and our communication um, today. And this would wouldn't have been possible without a very strong, again, capability building and upskilling program, whereby not only we train people, but we also recruited 2,500 experts, digital experts, who are sitting in our brands, in our countries, um, and we have insourced, that's a very important element, we have insourced um, some key expertise such as media buying, um, such as content production, such as community management, such as CRM, which used to be largely uh, done uh, through agencies. And today, we have sourced part of that, those capabilities to be able to better control our executions. Mm. And then, what does the what does the digital future of L'Oreal look like then? Um, what technologies on the horizon are you prioritizing? So, I think um, you know one of the key area is really uh, continuing to build our services strategy. So being able to really support and elevate the consumer experience online and offline. And I mean, with the epidemic of, of, of COVID suddenly expanding, um, what we see is that there are chances that the digital interactions increase even more. Um, we expect, especially today in this period, people to spend more and more time searching, discovering and buying our products online. Um, but even after, lots of people think that the behaviors will change towards more digital and more online interaction. So the key question for us in that context is how can digital technologies help augment, support the consumer experience without losing what is absolutely essential, which is the sense of community, the sense of humanity that comes with face-to-face -face contact. So our modified team, all our brands are really... Uh, thinking through this challenge of combining technology and humanity and community. And for example, in China, um, our teams have doubled down on their online and offline strategy, integrating digital services, um, such as virtual makeup try-on, skincare diagnostic, or live streaming with MGT advisors. Um, and, 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 and what we see is that um, there is no contradiction between technology and and uh, and community. We now see some of our beauty advisors who used to operate in shops, uh, live streaming uh, their stories about our products, uh, selling our products through live streaming on, on on online, creating a community of fans, people interacting, and so really recreating this sense of belonging and this sense of community through 
digital technologies. And, and this is really where we see bridging the online to offline um, gap. It's really through services. Great. Well, thank you um, very much for joining us today, Um And congratulations again on your very well-deserved um, Marketer of the Year Award. Um, and thank you for listening. Um, keep tuned into the Drums Digital Transformation Week for more content. Um, and stay safe, everyone. Thanks. Thank you. And that's great. Thank you.